listening to Grace Matters, conversations establishing believers in the truth. This panel conversation captures our time together with leaders from FAM and our guests from the Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina. FAM stands for Foster and Adoption Ministry. There are several folks within our church who felt led by God to establish this ministry, so with the blessing of the elders, they put things together. We're introducing the ministry through this panel conversation. If you have any questions after you've heard our question and answer session, please email gracematters at graceccnc.org. We would love to answer all the questions you might have about this ministry because we definitely believe that fostering and adopting, caring for orphans, is an important part of our church's engagement with our community. Thanks for listening. All right, good evening. Welcome to Grace Matters, where we seek to engage in conversations of importance for the local church and ones that encourage us on to love and action and grace. Uh, I'm glad you're with us this evening. Uh, we've got a great conversation ahead, a lot of information that you can really put in your toolbox and, and use. And especially coming off of uh, comments from Pastor Brad's sermon this morning, I'm really glad that you're here because we don't want to be necessarily a programmatic driven church where you just feel the pressure of being present every day of the week at the church building and just busy, too busy to care for your family and care for your neighbors. Uh, So I'm glad you have uh, set apart time this evening to join us. And I hope that with tonight's conversation, you will feel blessed as well as equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry. And before we get too much further, I want to let you know that on the screen, you will see a website. And uh, if you want to get out your device, you can be ready to either respond to polls and questions or submit your own questions. Uh, And you can do that at slido.com with the the Grace Matters keyword that you see on the screen. When we speak of um, fostering and adoption, I want to read for you um, some of the words found from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 10. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You heard this morning, and I'll say it again, that Grace Community Church at its founding did not want to be program-driven, but rather ministry-driven. And what's the difference, you may ask? Well, one of the differences is Rather than funding and manning a program that must go forward no matter what, ministries is that which uh, when we see a need and we have members who are willing and able to serve to meet that need, then we will. And you will hear about that tonight that I'm sure there are statistics that could even be dizzying at how great a need there is. And if you're thinking that, okay, we're talking about fostering and adoption again, that I don't want to be the family that takes kids into the home, you don't have to be that family. But as a church, God put all of us together in parts, and we all serve apart, but we all serve together. The church, everyone can do something to pray for and support the ministry that we're kicking off 
uh, with this panel tonight. So let me pray for us, and then I'll send it over to David Calvert for introductions of the panel. Father God, we praise you and thank you for drawing us here tonight for this important conversation. I pray that the words spoken would be honoring to you, would be equipping and a blessing to those who hear. May it all be done with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Amen. As Neil mentioned, my name is David. I am pastor for Creative Arts here at Grace Community Church. Um, for those who are listening on the podcast later, I apologize for all the things you're going to miss uh, because there's a lot happening on the screen through the course of the night. So I'm sorry, but uh, you missed out. You should have been here. So first thing you're missing is uh, the unveiling of Logo for FAM, uh, the Foster and Adoption Ministry, which we'll be unpacking through the course of tonight. Uh, but uh, Neil Manning is one of our elders. He and I help uh, lead Grace Matters. And he is the elder who facilitates these conversations. Um, immediately to my left is Mark Smith, who is uh, foster and adoption church liaison for Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina. And if he wasn't able to be here, then we could show you this, this cool picture uh, with that title as well. And next to him, uh, yet again, a fun picture, is Ms. Sarah Waggett, who also serves with Baptist Children's Home as foster care case manager and licensure specialist. And uh, she is working in our region. So... We hopefully will see a lot more of Sarah. She's also married to a friend of mine, the worship pastor at Coast Baptist Church. Uh, in addition to those folks who are guests here, we have some in-home folks. In addition to Neil, we have Erica White, who is on the leadership team for FAM, and Stephen Kelly, who is also on the leadership team for FAM. So I want to remind you, go to Slido and get this set up. We've already got a lot of folks on, which is exciting. Um, I'll be firing some more questions kind of randomly through the night, but to continue to get this talking out of the way before we converse together, um, there are 400,000 children in, in foster care in the United States. Uh, ironically, there are also roughly 400,000 churches in the United States. About 70% of youth who exit foster care as legal adults are arrested at least once by age 26. Close to one-fifth of the prison population in the United States is comprised of former foster children. So those are big stats, big numbers. Let's dial in a little closer to home. There are 246 foster children in Harnett County, and our church does expand beyond just Harnett to also include Wake and Johnson. Uh, but just in Harnett County, there are 246. So how many Homes might there be that are licensed to, to care for these 246 children? How many homes? How many people think A is the correct answer for Harnett County? Okay, good. I would be, you'd be so optimistic if you chose A. Uh, how about B? Anybody for B? Harnett County licensed homes. We've got a couple hesitant ones for B. C, if you were taking a bubble test, a lot of us would choose C. All right, we have a few more for C, and let's go with D. Any answers for D? We have some people who are sober here, because that is the answer. Um, there are only 34 homes in Harnett County that are licensed to care for 246 children. If we consider what happens 
once a child is in the foster care system, there are some assumptions that some of us might come with. Um, so we want to challenge a lot of those through the course of our conversation tonight. One of those assumptions may be what happens to a foster kid. Well, here's some stats that would demonstrate that. Um, about one in 10 return to their home with their biological family within 90 days. Uh, nine out of 10 remain in foster care for over 90 days, accordingly. About 53%, half of them, remain in foster care for over 540 days. At that point, I don't know why you wouldn't say a year and a half, two years. But, uh, and then 34% remain in foster care two years before parental rights are terminated. We can talk more about what that means in just a moment. But th so that's kind of a realistic picture of, generally speaking, what happens, how long does a child typically um, need this kind of care? So first, we need to kind of understand as we launch this, um, this initial ministry, uh, what, what is the big idea? Why should we care I mean, obviously, these questions are leading questions, right? It's telling us why we should care. But why should we care? So, Erica, can you help us understand why we should care about providing care, uh, foster care specifically um, in our area? Yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> so I care about this kind of first and foremost because it's really personal to me. And so I was a foster kid. And um, I had a really fairy tale childhood for the first um, 10 years or so. And then my dad passed away and my mom had, she wasn't ever really around. She was in so, some substance abuse issues. And so um, then I was kind of shuffled in different homes with different caregivers for a while and entered the foster system officially at the age of 16. So I was much older when I went into it. And then um, by this like crazy God orchestrated turn of events, the custody of me, which belonged to the state at that point, because I was a foster kid, was turned over to the church who lent it to um, my youth pastor at the time, his name is Scott, and my Sunday school teacher at the time, his wife, whose name is Elizabeth. And so they cared for me as their foster child. Um, and then I was was placed with a family and that was disrupted. And um, now Scott and Elizabeth, I call them mom and dad. And their bio kids, uh, Caleb and Noah are 11 and 12. They're my baby brothers. And they don't remember a time where I wasn't their big sister. And so um, I just, when I think about what they've done for me and I think about where I would be without them and where I should statistically be given the course of the events that unfolded in my life, I, I just can't think of anything better than the foster um, care that they gave me and the church family becoming like my actual family. <laughs> um, and I think that that is true of foster kids in general is for so few of them does their story start with something going wrong with their parents? They're inheriting this generational legacy of things that are going on. That's what was true for my mom, um, is it, it didn't start with her. And I think that that generational curse continues unless it's disrupted by Christ. And so I think as believers, we have to care about this because these kids need 
more people who know Christ to show them Christ. They need Christ to interrupt their life um, so that they can have happy endings like I have and not, and not the ending that I should have that was what I deserve, but instead the one that the Lord chose for me. And um, I think when we look at the numbers, it's not an exaggeration to say that this is a crisis in our community, that the 246 to 34 um, Mark can talk more about this too, but you consider that 34, how many of those homes are full of Christians? How many of those kids are hearing the gospel? Um, and so, yeah, I think scripture does not lack um, in this area. I think it makes it pretty clear how we should respond to this. And I feel this way because it's part of my story, but I hope we can all feel this way because it's something that Christ has made clear is really important to him as well. Well, this, uh, this particular conversation kind of flows out of the two previous Grace Matters meetings. Um, we talked uh, a couple times ago about what to do after Roe versus Wade being overturned. One of the implications of fewer elective abortions is more children, which may very well end up in the foster care system. Uh, then we talked about demographics last time for what in the world is going on in our neighborhood, which is literally right here, right here, right here, uh, to the tune of 2,000 houses. Um, will those homes, will any of them contribute to the foster care system in one way or the other? <laughs> will they be adding troubled homes, which means kids who need to be cared for, or will they be people who want to participate in being one of those homes to help us reach? Like, there's so many implications for the things we've been talking about. This made sense uh, to talk about this, but... Uh, but this ministry kind of emerges out of this uh, desire that Erica, but not only Erica, has had. So, Stephen, why, why FAM? What do we hope to accomplish? Because these numbers are so huge and it looks so overwhelming. But, like, even when we narrow it down to Harnett County, that's still a huge gap. What, what do we hope to do about it? Sure. Um, well, I can say the, probably the, the main thing and one of the reasons we want to do this tonight is primarily just educate uh, the, you know, the, the congregation and the community. Um, I know that before we got involved with it, I couldn't tell you what fostering really was, you know, other than just knowing, oh, I'm taking care of someone else's kid. But what does that really mean? Um, but then, you know, once we've gotten past that, being able to uh, encourage uh, those that want to uh, participate in some way and then, um, you know, at, you know, support those families that can that go down that path so for for any uh families here that decide to foster or adopt uh being able to to be there to support them you know uh, financially or um just you know, with a mill or really any number of ways um and then um not to steal a whole bunch of thunder but uh we also are trying to work on a resource guide um which would be extremely helpful, um, you know, as you navigate into to doing something like this. Uh, there, there's just so many things that you just don't know, um, and it's hard to necessarily get answers, um, especially from the, the state workers. Um, you know, the, the information is technically out there, but it doesn't always <laughs> get disseminated properly. And so um, one of the ways that we as a team were looking at how we could serve that would be to have a one-stop shop 
Like, all right, this is, you know, if you've got a child and, you know, they need therapy, like here are the places that do that. You need before and after care. Here are all the places that accept these vouchers, things like that. So now if anybody's ever tried to navigate a government website, uh, they know how easy it is to find the helpful information. Um, so I'm, that's I'm still, um, if, yeah. would these resources be only for Grace Community Church members or are we looking even beyond these four walls? I think the resources would be for anybody that would be willing to go down that road. I mean, obviously, we're going to build it in-house with Grace members, but um, I see no reason in being stingy and, you know. Right. No, it sounds like some of this stuff is replicable. Yeah. The things that we might be building with FAM could be replicated in other churches if they catch the vision for this. Um. So to clarify, though, we've already been tossing out some terms that some of us have assumptions about what they mean, uh, like foster, uh, like adoption. So we've we've already talked a little bit. You know, Erica mentioned being adopted. Like, were you adopted into the family? How did they foster you to adopt? What does that even mean? Uh, can anybody help clarify these things so we're all speaking with understanding? For, for me personally, it was different. So I'll let Mark or Sarah talk about what it means generally. I was in the foster system, um, and then I actually got emancipated, and then my family took me as theirs. Um, and so for I wasn't... So is that the same as aging out? Is that emancipation? Essentially, okay. yeah. Yeah, so I essentially aged out, and um, it was after I aged out. I was a freshman in college, um, and my parents said, like, hey, we don't want you hopping around. We want you home. We want you with us. Um, and so now that's that's where I go home to when I go home. Um, Except you're married now and you go home with Kyle. Right. I do yeah. go home with Kyle. Okay. Yeah. Just He's clarifying. very sweet. Uh, <laughs> when I go home to I got you, my Kyle. parents, that's where I go home to. <laughs> uh, when I leave here, I'll go home with Kyle. But. Okay. So, so then you know, what... It, Mark and I were talking briefly. He was already picking on me because I was using terms and we hadn't clarified them. And I was like, this is what we need to talk about. So what, what, what is adoption? How do we understand it similarly or even distinctly from foster care? So we just heard Erica's story, but like in other ways, how might we understand these terms? Sarah, why don't you tell a little bit about the foster side and I'll talk about the private adoption side because there's really two different lanes there. Okay. There it is, because um, I really don't know that much about the private adoption side. So yeah, um, but for me, I've learned to view foster care as like this big umbrella um, where adoption is one of those things that you can reach through foster care. Um, but the goal of foster care isn't necessarily to have more children, um, to I guess really benefit um, what you want for your life, but it is to do whatever is in the best interest of those children, um, which can mean foster to adopt. Um, it can mean reunification with their biological parents. Uh, it can mean guardianship, custody, um, a whole bunch of different things. But, but yeah, generally when public adoptions happen, when children are older, um, it's through the foster care system that they happen. So, so yeah. And I'd just like to dovetail out of that. 
correct me if I'm wrong, I've heard this stat, and of course we know that 100% of the stats are always questionable, right? Yeah. So around, like when, when a child comes out of a, out of a home, DSS pulls this child because of abuse, neglect, I mean, things that you and I don't even think about. That's why that child is then into the custody of the state of North Carolina, the DSS um, uh, agency here in, here in Harnack County, let's just say. Um, that child belongs to the state and always, 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 plan A is for reunification, always. However, when reunification, re reunification can't take place because the biological family, they don't meet the right criteria as far as all the different needs and, and requirements that they were given to, to be able to receive their child back into their home, then the child is, is put into a position by the courts where uh, uh, parental rights can be terminated. And that, I think, is the acronym TPR, Terminating Parental Rights. And when that occurs, the percentage of what I've heard, and again, I, it'll change tomorrow, but around 20% is the number I've heard. Have you ever heard of any difference as far as the 20% of children who enter into DSS custody will eventually, or could eventually be considered adoptable? Maybe that's higher now. I don't know. Yeah, so you're saying, well. TPR is, is occurs. 20% of those yeah. children. Yeah, I mean, and then, so yeah, so reunification is the goal and it happens fast. You only have a year to get it done, to complete it um, before the plan has to change, the permanency plan, we call it. Um, so the court will change that. And so, which is a lot to ask of biological parents when, like Erica was talking about generational trauma, um, a year is not a lot of time. It's a lot of time for a child to go without their biological parents, but for a parent that is struggling with who knows what, um, they need as much support as they can get. So they need the foster parents' support. They need um, their social worker's support, and they aren't necessarily guaranteed those things. So, so yeah. So here's a child who... Uh, it goes into the foster system, perhaps they might be eligible to be adopted. So that's why I, I want to make sure that we just kind of draw the lines there as far as what that possibility looks like. That's through the foster care system. Make sense? Yep. So now there's, a, there's another option, though. It's called private adoption. It has nothing at all to do with the foster care side. So kind of let your brain just shift into another lane. Private adoption is, is something we also have at the Baptist Children's Home, and, and our ministry is actually called uh, Christian Adoption Services. Okay. And when, when we have private adoption, we can actually have two lanes of that, domestic or international. Okay. We, have, we have two lanes for that. Our, our domestic, obviously, here in, in the States, but then our international is with Czech Republic and the Philippines. Those are our partners when it comes to that type of ministry now. Just so that you, you hear the difference, when you're talking about foster care adoption, you're basically talking no money, next to nothing, okay? Next to nothing needed to... There, there, there's, very, there's very little cost, if any, okay. when it comes to foster to adopt. Is that pretty close? Zero? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Is there, is there federal funding available? Is there private supplementing of that? How, how is that, that cheap as Since, it were? Um, the state has taken custody of these children, so they have Medicaid, um, and then they're given that monthly stipend, or that stipend is given to the foster parents to take care of them. Okay. Um, once those children are adopted, 
they keep those things. So to continue help meeting those needs of those children. Until they're emancipated, until they reach a certain age or? Yeah, okay. until they, well, I mean, because well, I mean, once they're adopted, they're, they're adopted. They're, yeah. they're, they're not in the system anymore. <laughs> okay. But on the private side, we're looking at northward of about $25,000. Okay. That's the private side. So stay in that lane for me for just a moment. So when we're talking about that type of number, I know that's like, woo, what in the world? Well, yeah, it's most of that really is legal fees. Un, sadly, unfortunately, I, I, who knows why there's so, so, so much. However, the state of North Carolina, the Baptist State Convention here in our state has actually uh, recently uh, offered a scholarship for families who, who want to adopt a child here in our state, and they'll actually do a match when it comes to what the church has actually given to the uh, a potential family who's going through that process of mm. private adoption. The state of North Carolina, the Baptist State Convention, will also chip in some money as well. So, here's the thing too with with the Baptist Children's Home, the Christian Adoption Services Ministry that we have. Our goal, even though that number is just massive, our goal is not the number. Our goal is is to help you help you raise those funds, help you look for different ways, help you apply for different grants. I mean, we're, we're going to be right there every single step when it comes to that, that, that opportunity. And so the money's not going to be the problem. Our goal is to, is to walk alongside you, but really, ultimately, our goal is to come alongside that birth mom. Hmm. We want that birth mom to know Christ, too. That's, and and I, I won't get into all that stuff because there's a lot more to talk about, but just know this, the Baptist Children's Home is very concerned that that young lady has a relationship with Jesus Christ, has a job, has, has, a, has shelter, has food. I mean, we're, we're going to make sure that this young lady is cared for. And so just so you all know, this question that's currently on the screen is indeed false. I uh, just had a conversation with somebody not even two hours ago <laughs> where they mentioned that they have a friend who's a, a single male who is uh, currently fostering two. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Can I, can I just jump into that? Yeah. I mean, single, single folks. Yeah. I mean, think about it from this perspective. A, a young lady who has been sexually abused by a man, what better person to be their foster parent than another woman, because they're already going to have some issues with men. They're going to have they're going to have uh, some some major trauma when it comes to that that person or that that gender in their life because they've they've really been abused. What better person than a single lady to come alongside that foster young lady and show her Christ? Yeah, no better person. Uh, so I'm going to keep firing some other questions on the screen if you don't get a chance to answer one. It's all right. There are more to come. Uh, some of these also be like open-ended questions where you can keep using your thumbs and type some things out. Uh, so what does it look like to become licensed to foster then, Sarah, since you're the licensure person? Uh, what does it look like to become licensed? And then Stephen, having been licensed, be interested to hear what it was like on the other side of it. So yeah, what, do you, what does it take? Yeah, so uh, across North Carolina, different agencies have different pre-service trainings that they offer. We do not do the same one that the state offers or that um, DSS offers. We do something called CARE. It's from Cornell University. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> but 
So what happens is it's, it's 30 hours of pre-service training. Every foster parent has to go through it. Um, and we'll spread it out about over 10 weeks and we'll do three hours per week with you. And with that care training, we'll also be helping figure out things like what does the foster parents role look like in the court system? Um, shared parenting. Um, there's certain things on the application that we fill out for you. It's a it's a really big application. So we have to know you really, really well. And so 10 weeks is, um, we figure, a good amount of time to like get to know everything about you. So we can write about it to the state. Um, but yeah, so so that's what that looks like. It's it's different amounts of training um, that we go through and then a home study. So the fire marshal will come out and make sure your home is safe. Um, we'll just check different things and, and make sure, you know, your dog has his rabies shot, that kind of thing. Huh. So is that similar to, well, okay. So St Stephen, what was your experience then on the other side? So you're you're asking what our upfront costs were? Well, no, like, yeah, I mean, like, what was it like being becoming licensed to be a foster family? So we actually also, I believe, did care uh, through Harnett County. Yeah, so it was this ten three hour classes. Um, however, <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that the state wants to see in place before. You know, so for example, if you're going to be licensed to have an infant, you have to have a crib already set up at your home inspection. Oh. So if you don't have a crib, you got to buy a crib. Um, if you, you know, so you also need, you know, things like um, lockable medicine containers um, for both refrigerated items and non. You need a fire extinguisher. You need a fire escape plan. You need. Uh, smoke detectors in certain rooms. There, there's all these little ancillary things that um, potentially could add up, um, you know, prior. Um, of course, um, you know, car seats, uh, things like that, bottles. Um, and But, you know, a lot of those, you know, you may purchase when you get a child, you know, because right. so many of those things are age dependent. And it also depends on, um, you know, what age range you tell them you're willing to accept as well you know in our, our case we wanted adrian to be the oldest child in our family since she was our our firstborn child and so that we know that we'll never have a child older than her you know so that sort of dictates what sort of things that we want at our house but you could just as easily say i'm not interested in taking care of an infant and then you don't need a crib right so things like that so yeah, so the, the question we threw up on here as well was, you know, what what might the cost be? Because it was interesting that we, that came up already in what we're talking about. Um, and for some people, we might have assumptions about how much it costs to do such things. I had assumptions about how much it would cost to feed my children, and those were wrong. Um, <laughs> it cost exorbitantly more every six months to feed my four children. And so um, we might have assumptions about what it costs to care for uh, a child, even for a short amount of time. So I think this is also one of the things that FAM seeks to alleviate. Yes. What are some of the things you guys would want to do to tackle these, these hidden costs? So some of that is gonna be uh, helping families get their homes ready, 
uh, and set up. Uh, the other part of that is, is this a good time to talk about the duffel bag ministry? Excellent time to talk about the duffel bag ministry that we're going to start. Uh, so the goal will be to have uh, duffel bags for each uh, gender and age range of child. And so if you get placed with a child, you can simply call one of us and come by and you can pick up a duffel bag. It'll have a few sets of clothes, toiletries, uh, a little toy, age appropriate, Bible uh, for those that can read, um, you know, things like that. So uh, that way it will offset a lot of that. Uh, oh, no, we just got uh, infant. You know, I've got to run to Walmart and spend three hundred dollars. Right. So stuff like that. So, uh, so we'll be able to offset a lot of that cost uh, through that ministry, and the goal will be to kind of help make it easy for everyone at Grace to be able to contribute to that. Where we'll have kind of a, a preset shopping list, and hopefully have it on a spreadsheet so that um, when you guys decide, hey, we, we'd like to contribute financially to this, um, you'll know exactly what to purchase for it. Uh, so that way we're making sure that all of our bases are covered. Um, and then the whites have graciously decided to allow us to store a whole pile of clothes in their, their spare bedroom. Um, so we're going to fill that thing right on up. So, awesome. so why is it important to have those things ready ahead of time in order to pick up at the, at the drop of a hat? Because in the foster world, you get zero notice. None. None notice is accurate. As a matter of fact, when we got, uh, when we got certified, we found out we got certified because they called and they said, hey, would you be willing to take two 10-month-old twin baby girls? To which I was trying to be snarky and be like, well, that would be great, except we're not certified. And she was like, actually, you are. It just happened. It's electronic. It hadn't even printed yet. And I was like, dang it. I mean, of course we want them. So, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Has that happened since as quickly or was it just that one time? Oh, just all the time. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's it, uh, you know, keeps you on your toes. You know? Yeah. Um, you never know what's going to happen. You get a call on the stage right now. Yeah. Which would be super cool, actually. That would be appropriate, wouldn't it? Uh, so to Neil, it, are there similarities that you're hearing from like home prep and being ready to receive as an adoptive family? Yes, a lot of the, the home prep was uh, was the same way, the, the same uh, home inspection, uh, a lot of the same uh, plugs for your outlets and fire extinguisher and smoke alarms, everything had to be checked. Um, so it's, it's the same, I think, regardless of which system you're participating in. Um, and even on the, the private side, if you go through a, a good, and I would estimate uh, the Baptist Children's Home to be a good one, that they would also desire and require certain of these things to be met for the safety of the child, whether you're fostering uh, or adopting or fostering to adopt. Uh, a lot of it is similar. Um, sometimes even the, the phone call and, and how much time you have, but each, each scenario is, is also different. Um, I would imagine that the same for you guys on the, the fostering side that each call, each situation with a child is unique in its own way. Um, like we would have a less typical adoption um, 
And because of legal things, our price skyrocketed as soon as the need for that legal representation uh, was required, yeah. and uh, which made the support that Grace had already put in place, not only through prayer, but that prayer allowed people to become aware and financially to, to help us get to that point. Uh, so I am really excited to see a lot of these requirements being met for more families so we can uh, continue to help more children and, and other families in the community. One of the things we've decided to do, that FAM has decided, is to partner with Baptist Children's Homes for, for some of these processes. So what, what is the benefit of being licensed through Baptist Children's Homes as opposed to just going down to Lillington and asking somebody what's up? Yes. Talking about going to DSS? Yep. Well, I'll, I'll say this because she, she probably won't tell you, but there's, there, there's two big ones that I think. Number one, we do the training, and we do it based on what the what the schedule of, of the folks are, your church schedule, you know, the calendar. You know, we want to be conscious of all that stuff, and, and we're also flexible with you. And uh, one of the things I mean by that is if, you know, you're getting into this, this rhythm that you're you know coming and you're you're being a part of class and life happens and you're gonna miss class number four. Let's just throw that out. You know, some some folks would just say, okay, you're done. Catch us on the next pass. But no, we're gonna we're gonna just say, okay, you miss. Okay, no problem. We're gonna catch you up, and we're gonna we're gonna keep working with you because our goal is to help you not just survive this thing, but to thrive in it. But here's really I think the better part of all this whole thing. And that's when it comes to the case managers. Like once you get, um, once you get your license and once you get a child, you, you get a case manager. DSS is going to be a part of that, that scenario no matter what because this child is a part of the state of North Carolina. Right. But you also get a case manager from the Baptist Children's Home. And this case manager is, is a believer in Jesus Christ. They're going to be able to come with, with to you and, and pray with you and, and share the joys and, and sit and cry with you during the, during the hard times of frustrations. You're going to have their phone number. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, you got a question, you got a problem, you call it. Sarah, have you been called at 3 a.m.? And I want to just tell you, yes. she oh, is wow. one of the case managers. How did Jonathan feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> He sleeps through everything. Oh. <laughs> All right, then. So that's the part I want to just distill from her before she got a chance to even talk about it, because yep. I'll let you fill in the blanks with all the, the licensure part. But she's one of our case managers, and that's just not something you get from every place. And here's the he, I'll even throw another cherry on top of this thing. She only has requirement of 10 foster families. DSS has a caseload of <laughs> way more. All right, I, there's, I don't even know, it's, it's double digits higher, okay? Or at least, yeah, 30 or more. For one case manager. For one case manager at DSS, but with Baptist Children's Home, we only, we, she's, she's capped at 10. Because we want her to have the bandwidth to really be a part of your life. That's the goal. Yeah, um, yeah, so social workers, if you're, if you're looking for a job, it doesn't pay good. But you are guaranteed a job, um, pretty much. Um, we don't have enough social workers out there, so they end up having a huge caseload. Not only are they working with the child in the foster care, but they are helping the biological parents with their caseload. So where we're focused on licensing the parent and um, uh, assisting the child in the home, they're like all of it. So 
what we help you do as a case manager from the private agency is we kind of help mediate that conversation between you and the social work worker, um, help understand any scary things and big terms and all that kind of stuff. Um, and just allow, um, a little bit more time that's focused on you. So, so yeah, um, it's, it's nice having two case managers. Yeah. Are there any, any particular like myths that need to be shot down or clarified um, about foster care that any of us have heard or encountered any, any like common objections that seem to be based in some foolishness that you'd want to shoot down while we're here? I can come up with two. All right, go for okay. it. Okay, so here's two, and I really liked hearing Erica's story in the beginning because um, I was like, hey, um, but that teenagers are scary. They're like, Erica, I don't think she's scary. I've only known her for <laughs> like an hour maybe, but she does not seem scary to me. Um, but yeah, every every child, and, and this is also kind of another myth, is that all children in foster care are bad. Like, no, none of them are bad. Um, some of them, their trauma manifests in, in, in ways behaviorally that we don't necessarily like. Uh, but that is okay, and it's not all the time. So there, there are different fits for different people, and um, and yeah. So so teenagers, I don't know. Um, oftentimes, parents will be like, "So I, I'm kind of thinking about you know fostering a teenager now after they like fostered a two year old," and I'm like, "Yeah," and because two year olds are hard. <laughs> <laughs> so and then the other thing is, um, people think that they'll get too attached. And, well, hopefully the goal is that you will get really attached and, and we want that, but it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And um, definitely if reunification is able to happen, it, it is, it's hard for you to go through to let that child that you've been loving as your own go back to that family. But um, we, um, just as believers in Christ, pray that uh, he will be able to show you how much good you have done in that child's life. A lot of time our foster parents are able to have relationships that continue with those biological parents because um, they end up being mentors and like literally teaching them how to parent again. So, so yeah, it's, it's worth it. It's yes, it's good. Hmm. I would imagine also that Christians would be the, the primary ones to, um, to feel con content about having touched the life of a child for a temporary period and, and just trusting God that when that reunification happens, that the faithfulness that uh, they've been able to show with God's power, God will use that. So it's, it's not a lost temporary effort. Uh, but there are folks for whom that kind of give and take has been brutal emotionally. So we don't want to gloss over that by any means. Um, and so, Stephen, like why why did y'all decide to become a foster family in the first place? Like what what was uh, what led to that? Uh, how, what was your thought process? What was the Lord doing? Sure. So Becca and I have been together since I was a sophomore in high school. And even then, we had discussed 
no matter how many kids we had, we knew we wanted to adopt at some point in our life. Um, and then we ended up, so we had, uh, Adrian, our daughter, and then we tried to have another and it just didn't happen. I'll spare everybody the details, but we tried for a while. It just wasn't happening. And so we ended up uh, moving back out to Fuquay and the house that we had, that we had purchased had a, a bonus, like a spare bedroom. And so we started um, thinking about it and praying on it and just the Lord kind of led us to um, going the adopt, or the, I'm sorry, the fostering route. Um, and I, I think some of the experience that we had, um, we, we've been working with youth a lot um, as we've grown up through our 20s and stuff. And um, I always really um, had a connection with the kids that had more troubled homes, probably because the way I grew up, but again, different conversation. Um, and so it just sort of seemed like a natural fit for us uh, to kind of go down that that path. And so we, we decided to do it. So for then y'all, like when you've had a, an infant in your arms and then not help us understand how that feels, how you process that. Yeah. So, uh, not going to lie that big old sucks because <laughs> these kids, as you'll see, are stinking cute. Um, but you know, to, to echo what, what you guys were saying, um, I, I hear, you know, we, we hear a lot of people when, when they find out that we foster and they go, well, that's great for you, but I just don't think I could ever do that. I can never give them back. Uh, I think I, you know, I'd get too attached. Well, yeah, that's the point, right? I mean, you want to treat that child like it's your own child. You should feel attached to it. Um, and yeah, whenever they go back. I mean, it's, it's a bittersweet moment if they end up going back to their family. Cause you hope that they, you know, there's a, I know I would personally feel devastated if my daughter was taken from me. I get that there's different, per, you know, perspectives happening here, but, um, you know, when that happens, just knowing that maybe, you know, the parents had, you know, taken whatever steps necessary, uh, to, to do their thing, but just that, you know, the child, is an, is an emotionally vulnerable being and you as the adult, you know, we, we're equipped more to be able to handle that feeling of loss, uh, than they are. And so why not take it on? Right. Uh, you know, and to, again, um, you know, for, to some of these children, um, you may be the only example of Christ in their life. Uh, again, stinking adorable. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it stinks. And, and every time they go back and you really think to yourself, man, I don't think I could do this again. Right. And then they get a phone call and they ask you, yeah, we got another, yep. Bring them on. You know what I mean? And you just do it over and over again. And, um, you know, um, they, they draw the love out of you and not that I'm a big lovey mushy person. Um, uh, but they do. Stephen, will you tell us, real quick about that particular child and kind of how she started with you and how she ended with you? Uh, yeah. So that particular child, um, she had, um, been a victim. The, her father was, uh, rather abusive and, uh, ended up, uh, causing a, a significant amount of trauma to her. Uh, so much so in fact that 
I was not even able to touch her without her breaking down. As a matter of fact, uh, Becca was supposed to go out of town for a business meeting. And so I, I was like, oh, well, I'll just take her, you know, no big deal. Well, when they get there, um, they, they had to actually find her because the father had kidnapped her. And so when they, they finally did find her and they brought her, uh, I went to go grab her and she just came unglued. Um, and so it, that picture even existing at all um, within the, th that was within the first week or so. So, we, you know, we were able to, to work with her and to get her to, to trust men again. And so that was a humongous accomplishment because <laughs> I'm telling you, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, and then she also um, wouldn't take a bath without, uh, she couldn't play in a bath. I've never, we've never seen a child that didn't love playing in a bath and splashing. And the second her foot hit the water, she just screamed, arched her back the entire time. And by the time she left our house, Becca had her splashing and playing with a little rubber duck and stuff like that. So there's, there's a, a sense of accomplishment that comes along with that too, you know, and um, being able to see uh, Adrian, our daughter, um, you know, cause she, you know, and you, for those of you that have kids, you might think, well, how is this going to affect my child? Um, Adrian was so excited to have a sibling. Now there's some days where she's regretting that decision. Right. But I think that's most kids. Um, but you know, she, she's been, it's, it's been really cool to see her kind of grow and open up and, and love all these, these kids as well as, as her own sister. So, yeah, that's definitely, as you can see from this Slido question, one of the concerns is that wondering how it would affect uh, the biological children that might already be in a home and then, uh, you know, wondering about past trauma. So yeah, um, what resources, and again, FAM, I think, intends to address a couple of these things, but like what resources uh, do y'all know of or recommend for these particular things, like for children who have significant trauma, which I would imagine any child in the foster system has experienced the trauma of being removed from their parents. So there is a baseline trauma there and it's only added to. So yeah, what what resources are there for caring for that trauma and, and then acclimating and caring for biological children? Yeah, so, okay. Um, I think, let me talk about biological children first. Um, so one of the great things about North Carolina is that, I mean, I know some of y'all are like state or Duke people or whatever, but we have UNC and UNC is like <laughs> the, he, he's like, I have no idea where she's going with this. Um, one of the top social work schools in the country. Um, so they shoot out a ton of resources um, at North Carolina and they are really phenomenal. Um, they are actually, a lot of their courses are required to get licensed. So, so they provide a lot of really great knowledge and resources for trauma, um, for, uh, everything related to foster care. Um, when a child comes into your care, all, all of them do have trauma. Uh, trauma is a really, or I think we blow it up a lot when we hear the word trauma, but the reality is every single one of us in this room has some sort of trauma. Um, not nearly to the extent of most of these kids in care, but we all have experienced trauma and we can relate to it in some way, even if it's really, really tiny. So 
our goal when we're training to you is to training you is to help you relate to that child um to understand where all of these big feelings are coming from um we uh, will train you in um tra oh, trauma-informed care that was the word i was trying to spit out trauma-informed care um and so so hopefully you will feel prepared um i'm sure uh, people can speak to, I, I don't know, there's, there's no being totally prepared because foster care, crazy things happen. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, when a child comes into your care, one of the first things they will do is, is try to get them in therapy. Um, that's another thing that there's just not enough therapists out there for children. So there is a long waiting list for that. Um, way too long for a child to have to wait. But but yeah, we, we do equip you and um, give you resources to, to help you through that. And the state does too. As for biological children, there's a lot of research and kind of like spreading awareness going on right now to help biological children um, that are in families that want to foster or that are in families that have adopted. Um, because that, it's a strange thing, you know, to like, to be the only child and then all of a sudden have a sibling who's older than you, younger than you, like whatever. I mean, a baby is a little more natural, um, but but yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. And oftentimes um, they can feel confused, um, neglected, whatever it is. Um, and so that's one of the other things us as case managers try to do is to make sure that um, your family dynamic, which is going to change, but is stable and um, that the biological children in your home are not negatively affected, um, that it's a good placement. Um, they're getting along. What can we do to help them get along? What what needs to change? What Whatever that is. So. So I have one more question for the panel, and if you have questions you'd like to ask, make sure you pull up Slido, begin to type those in. Um, as we, I'm going to throw up another kind of open one as we ask this. Well, this one first, um, because I want to talk specifically about uh, what we're doing with FAM to meet some of these things that we're talking about. So what might we do if we um, don't necessarily want to become licensed or or are still kind of thinking through this, maybe want to test the waters, but not, not sure. How can everybody still participate in FAM, even if they don't want to be a one of the homes? Yeah, so lots of ways. Um, the first thing I would say, if you say, if you're one of the families or one of the singles, one of the homes, um, and you are looking at foster care and you think, I just don't think I could ever do that, uh, I would say, are you sure? And then if you're really sure, we can go down from there. So I think depending on kind of your commitment level to the ministry determines the best way that you can help. And so um, low level commitment would be praying for a specific family, praying for the families in general, bringing them a meal, things like that, that require two hours or less a week. Um, and then it would just kind of go up from there in terms of you can help financially. Um, if you want to help with the duffel bags, we have an Amazon wish list. I can send you the link tonight. 
And if you wanted to help in other ways, I heard a family, I heard a story about um, an older couple who did not want to foster, but they did want to help. And so they did a subscribe and save on Amazon for diapers for a family that was fostering. And that was such a huge blessing to that foster family. You can babysit. Um, that would be a higher level. Highest level would probably be um, doing respite care. And so for respite care, you do have to become licensed to foster. You keep the kids for usually anywhere from like a day to a week. Is that about right, Sarah? Prudent parenting allows you to keep them for less than 72 hours without being licensed, but over okay. 72 hours it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives the foster family a break if they have a, a family emergency, if they just really need a break, if they're going out of state on a vacation, that's harder to take a foster child with you for something like that. And so hmm. that would kind of be highest level commitment in case you, yeah, I think most people got it by now. All of the above is the right answer. So <laughs> um, there are a lot, a lot of ways to help. You can sign up to take kind of a category of the resource guide for the resource guide that we would distribute to Grace Community Church. If you have a skill that we can incorporate into that resource guide, if you are like, yeah, I know I would be a great reading tutor for children, or um, I have medical training, and so if you have a question the night they get placed with you, you've never parented before, is it normal for a kid to act like this? Do I need to take them to the emergency department? Like, you can call me because you probably haven't been set up with a doctor yet, you know? <laughs> so just there's, we want everyone to know that everyone can do something. There is a place for everyone at Grace within this ministry. There is a place for your three-year-old helping you pack these duffel bags, and there is a place for you in whatever capacity and whatever commitment level you're able to do. Anything you want to add to that? No, that was great. And so we'll, we'll continue to talk about FAM through the course of this calendar year. Not This isn't just a one-off, um, but rather an introduction to something that will be an ongoing ministry of our church. And so there will be more opportunities to hear about this, and especially as things as the concrete settles, like right now it's pretty wet, we're still forming things, but as it begins to set uh, and those boundaries are more clear, we'll make that clearly available uh, to the rest of the church as well. Can I jump in on that respite care? Of course. Um, item, um, you know, that's, that's one of those things that uh, kind of flies underneath the radar. Uh, it is such a need, uh, especially, and, and let me just kind of maybe walk you through a couple scenarios. As Sarah mentioned, 72 hours according to um, uh, Prudent Parenting says that a child, as long as they're approved by DSS through uh, probably just different means as far as their back, your background check and so forth, you can keep a child in your home, sure. However, outside of that, according to Prudent Parenting, you must be a licensed foster family. Okay. So, so let me let me just throw out this scenario. You know, we, we need foster, we need respite foster families because hopefully there will be a number of foster families right here in the congregation. Brother Steve, wouldn't wouldn't you like to maybe have some respite every once in a while? It'd be nice. It would. Yeah. So, so you know, just to be able to have the confidence to know that no matter what the situation could occur, whenever you have a, a foster child in your home, that you've gone through training to be able to really know what's up, to really know what's going on in, in a child's life, to be, have that training, have that trauma-informed piece, just to have that assurance. Wouldn't that just give you a bit more security? I think it probably would. And, and let, me, let, let me finish out this one scenario with this story. This is a true story. There was an 11-year-old little girl 
And she had been physically abused by her dad. And, and this young lady was, was doing great in the foster care system with her foster family. She was doing just fine. Well, this family needed to, to kind of have a, have a little bit of a respite, so they, they set it up with DSS and, and let, allowed the DSS said, okay, yeah, no problem, you can pick somebody. And well, this family picked like one of the couple's parents. So basically we're, we're talking about this young lady was going to the foster grandparent, if you will, right? Make sense? And so, you know, the, 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 the mom, the, you know, the, the mom, the, the foster mom and dad, of course, this was one of their parents and they had been around each other. So it wasn't like this, this, this child didn't know who this, who this woman was. Well, the day comes that they were getting ready to go off on just a weekend trip. And, and, and so they drop off the young lady, the 11 year old with their, with, with the, with the foster grandparent and, and everything was great. They all, off they go. Well, this foster grandparent had been you know, approved by DSS, but they, she had never been through any kind of foster care training. The young lady, the 11-year-old little girl who had done just magnificent in her home goes into the bathroom of this foster grandparent and she smells something and it brought back incredible trauma in her mind mm -hmm. and she freaked out. The foster grandmother had no idea what to do. Not that any of us would really <laughs> invite that and really be able to handle it real well, any of us, no matter what kind of training you've got, but at least with the training, you would have at least some understanding of what's going on, why it's going on, and maybe some steps to take to be able to start to settle the situation. As a result, though, she didn't have any of this training. Everybody was freaking out in the home, and, and it was just a big mess. I'll stop right there with that illustration. And I say all that to say this. Yes, Prudent Parenting Act says 72 hours. And absolutely, you don't need the training. But I would beg to differ from the standpoint of peace of mind. Wouldn't it make more sense? Yep. And I'll even take it one more step. Let me jump out of that scenario into a possible another one. Here you are, a, a, a respite foster family here at Grace Community Church here in Harnett County. And, and you've got your training, and there's a, you know, a few families here in the church that sometimes they need a little bit of respite. You know, here's Steve, and hey, hey man, we, we, can we call on you? Sure, yeah, no problem. But, you know, you've got a weekend coming up, say, in May. You know, here we are in January. In May, you, you and your family say, you know, we got this weekend, this, this weekend right here in May. Well, what if we looked at this thing missionally? I mean, yeah, we do it missionally here within our own congregation, but what if we do this missionally from the standpoint of looking into our community instead of just in our, com in our congregation? What if you were to pick up your phone and say, hey, Harnett DSS, we're, we're licensed through the Baptist Children's Home, and, and you know what? We, we've got this uh, weekend coming up in May, and we would just like to offer... Do you have any, I mean, of those, how many was it, 34 families here yeah. in Harnett County? Do you have any of those 34 that would maybe need some respite? Okay, so give it about 30 seconds. Because the DSS worker has to get off the floor and pick the phone back up. Because nobody talks like that. What if, what if the church were to rise up and to say, you know what, not only are we after this 246 children. Not only are we after also 
the biological families tied to all 246 of these children here in Harnett County, we're also, we also want to minister to the foster families who already exist in our county. We want, to, we, want them, we want to be on mission in their lives too. So just think about what getting license could possibly look, to, look at, look like. Whenever you have that license and the different offerings you could actually give in God's kingdom because you have another tool in your toolbox. I appreciate that, Mark. I imagine you've, you've preached on that before. <laughs> This morning, as a matter of fact. <laughs> That's real fresh. Zebulon. <laughs> so we have a bunch of really good questions. I'm not going to be able to ask all of them for the sake of time, so I'm going to try to cherry pick a few. Several of them we have covered through the course of the night, I think, looking back at some of these early ones. Um, do want to clarify, though, what other um, partnerships we have here at Grace Community Church. So FAM is, uh, is beginning and is establishing a partnership with Baptist Children's Homes. Uh, who else do we already partner with in this space? Anybody want to speak to that? I can if I need to. Um, I know we partner with Amazing Grace Adoptions. That's mm -hmm. how Neil got one of his children, um, how more than one family at Grace have gotten a child. And then we also partner with Tanya Baker at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Mm -hmm. Less of a direct correlation, but still certainly related. Um, and are establishing this new partnership with NC Baptist Children's Home, um, first for foster care, but are hoping to expand that into their domestic adoption arena as well. So we'll have multiple adoption options and um, then the foster care adoption too. Uh, so mm, my wife asked a question, so I have to ask that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what... And this is, really, this is a really good question, though. Uh, what kind of information is it when you get the call, hey, you got a child that's going to be on your doorstep in 12 minutes. Uh, what other information do they give with a placement, if any? What, what do you know about a child when you receive them? So they will tell you anything they can anything they do know, okay, um, which sometimes is a great deal and sometimes it's next to nothing. <laughs> so it just sort of depends. It's a very fluid situation. Like okay. I said, it's a lot of fun. You get to figure out and learn each other together. It's, you know. So like, is there fun. a bare minimum that they will come, like the age and gender? Like well, sure. They'll give you the, the age, the gender, and um, if they're, you know, they'll, they'll typically give you the, the background as to why they are being placed into care. Okay. And in some cases, they'll tell you at least what they think will happen as far as how long you'll have them. Uh, like the, the, the first set of twins we got, um, we knew going into that that we were only going to have them for four days, uh, you know, up to, up to four days. Um, and then uh, Christian, the, the, the last one that we've had, uh, we knew when we got him that they were attempting to place him with family. Now, he actually had uh, four other siblings that had already been placed with other family members. So they, they knew that parent reunification wasn't going to happen right out the gate. Okay. And so it was a matter of placing him. And so but, you know, the, the family members also have to go and, and be certified and and, you know, get their home checked out and things like that as well, um, especially. So sometimes you might be the stopgap for that family to yep. get 
the fire marshal check. <laughs> well, exactly. Kind of right. Okay. So, I mean, you've had all this time to, to preemptively do all that. And so yeah. they can put the place the child with you temporarily while whatever family member that's competent, um, gets their ducks in a row and gets their home in order and things like that. Okay. So, uh, can a foster child share a bedroom with a biological child? And f relatedly, because we might need to share bedrooms when there are a lot of kids. Some of us in this church have a lot of kids. And so is there a maximum number of children recommended like within a family for uh, any kind of ratios or anything like that? Are there any, any data that you guys look at when you're considering those things? So, Especially for bedroom space. Yeah, so the state... Uh, dictates that you can have no more than five children in your home, and that is including your biological children. So if you have four biological children that are living there, you can have one foster, and then obviously any number of those. And if I'm saying anything crazy, feel free to correct me. Um, but as far as the bedrooms, they are not supposed to be like foster children and biological children are not supposed to be in the same bedroom. Okay. That being said, there appears to be a little wiggle room on that, depending on what they need. <laughs> um, and, and so there will still of course be a, uh, gender of the child and age of the children, you know, has to be considered for that. But, um, on paper, the answer is no, they can't, but we have seen it be where they certainly can under, under the right circumstance. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, hmm. What would you say to a, a, a couple who are considering fostering or adopting uh, for their first child? Have, they have yet to, to try biologically or they're waiting on the Lord's time for that. And they're, they're so their first option becomes uh, fostering adoption. What would you say to them? I would say that children are very robust. They're hard to screw up. So <laughs> give it a whirl. <laughs> He's not wrong, though. <laughs> they are. They're like incredibly resilient. So it's really awesome to watch these children like be resilient. So... I'll also say that's what Kyle and I are going to do. Um, we want to get licensed. We don't have biological children, and we're just going to see how it goes. <laughs> um, and, I, yeah, I think it's we. I mean, I don't know if we can have a biological kid or not. We're assuming we can, but we know that there are a lot of kids who are already born and need a place to stay, and we have a place to stay, and... We love kids, and so it's just kind of a, why not? You know, we're hoping we don't screw them up too badly, but also for parents who have never, or for a couple who doesn't have any biological children of their own, like either way, if you get that first child through foster care or through adoption or through having it biologically, like I feel like you're just gonna be really confused. <laughs> you know, first time parents are all figuring it out together, no matter how you come to have that child. And so we'll we'll do ours through foster care, through adoption. Other people do it biologically and um, you know, 
either way, you're going to have a lot of questions, and you just figure it out as you go along. So, I'll jump in and say, um, rely on your Grace family. Let us walk through this with you. Um, oftentimes, in your home groups or when you spend time with an elder, um, they can reflect back at you some of your strengths, some of your weaknesses, some of the things that maybe you didn't know would be a hindrance or an obstacle to achieving this. Or uh, we can also provide you the encouragement because we do have insight in, into your life, into your household, and um, you're, you're on the precipice of making that decision, and we may be able to encourage you and support you along the way in order to to move forward with that. So I think it's um, a decision that you can make that you're not making on your own. So the last kind of multi-part question I'll ask here, unless I get another good one in a second, uh, is related to licensure stuff. So I want to take advantage of our, our guests who can speak to this. Um, how long does licensure last before you have to redo your home study or reapply or whatever? What, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, two years. Two so years. It's an easy answer, too. Um, so once you're licensed, you have two years before you have to get relicensed. So about six months before um, that ending date happens, we'll start you up on the relicensure process, which is just... We being BCH or BCH. DSS or both? Yeah, BCH. Okay. So we'll um, have you do all the stuff with us and then will go to DSS and lay it down and they'll basically sign off on it. So um, whenever you're licensed through an agency, they're doing the licensing for you and then um, showing it to DSS and they're approving it. Okay. If your licensure has lapsed, do you have to do the entire thing again? Um, so this is a great question that I actually had to talk for a long time on the phone the other day and it's still a little unclear. Um, but so we, um, before the answer was yes. Now, you have to retake all the classes. Yes. Before what? Before I talked on the phone with this lady. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now it's, um, more of a gray area. So okay. we'll find out. It does depend on though, when, when does your um, certification expire? Um, that could or could not play into it. I don't know. Do you have any good answers, Mark? <clears throat> I think uh, what you described as gray area is pretty well defined, defining it. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is going to be like that with a lot of questions, I'm afraid, because we are dealing with it seems like a bit of a moving target when we're talk talking to DSS. That's sure. just, I'm not throwing them under a bus. It's just, it's hard to get straight answers sometimes. That's just the honest truth. So, but, but I would like to just say this real quick. Um, what y'all were doing with this support group here, uh, the FAM, that is phenomenal. That is absolutely fun. I wish every church started it first, honestly, like what y'all were doing. That is so cool. That is so good because one, going back to a question you asked earlier about some of the myths, there's a lot of people who get started in, into this process of, of getting their license and they get licensed and they get a child and they have this idea, okay, we got ourselves into this mess. We don't want to bother anybody else. We don't, we, we don't want uh, you know, to be burdensome to other people. You know, we're the ones who said yes to this and so we'll just do it ourselves. That is... 
That, that is not a healthy way to handle this. And the fact that you are starting it with that, I hope will just kind of blow that whole idea, that concept away, that you are not in this by yourself. Hmm. Be honest with you, you can't do it by yourself. You need your church family desperately. They need to be able to come. You need to let them come in and wrap around you because these. not only do these children need it, you need it. You need it. And what, what a beautiful way to start it is with this group. So good job. I'm sorry. I just couldn't help but say that. Uh, is there a fee associated with licensure? No. Okay. So the only thing um, that you may or may not have to pay for is the fire marshal coming and doing that. Okay. At least not in Harnett County. Right? Yeah, some counties, are, it's free. So that's great to know. Harnett County's free. Um, I can tell other people that too now. Yeah, so. I, I think if you do have to get your finger fingerprints, right? Oh, that, yeah, that, that too, could, which sometimes is free. Sometimes it's like 10 or $20. If you say the words foster care, sometimes it flies under radars. Uh, there, there is actually cost associated with the CPR certification. But if I'm not mistaken, we have a member of the congregation that will do that. We also do that free. So, oh, so hey. we do it for you. Boom. Multiple All ways. the way around. Problem solved. <laughs> and so just to recap again, though, someone has asked a question. <clears throat> what, what is the content and timeline for, uh, for licensure? Like how much, how, how many classes were there and how long does that last? So, well, it, oh. <laughs> Sarah, it is 30 hours of training <laughs> across 10 different classes. <laughs> And the benefit that we talked about was the fact that these classes through BCH can be done like schedule permitting, whereas sometimes the DSS is like, we're, we're going to do it this time frame. And if you can miss a class, you can wait for the next time we get around to it type thing. Right. Right, Because we okay. want you. Yeah. So we're going to make it happen. So like, do you prefer to do group, like have multiple families in at a time? Do you do one to one in those classes? What do you is best done in a group. The curriculum is written for a group. Okay. Um, and it's also great to just be trained with other families and have that relationship and everything um, and to hear what other people think and all that. But we will go to people's houses if we have to. Cool. Yeah. So, spoiler alert. Uh, I think FAM is intending to host uh, licensure training here at Grace at some point. So uh, we'll be talking, like I said, we'll be talking more about that through the course of the year. Um, okay. Because <laughs> I didn't fire the questions live, and so they're hijacking the scripture part. To, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> just scrolling through one last time. Uh, if you have any more questions that are pressing that we didn't cover for some reason, uh, both Mark and Sarah will be here in the lobby for a few minutes uh, with some more information from Baptist Children's Home specifically. Um, and as I mentioned, FAM is not going anywhere. In fact, it's just starting. And so we will be continuing to talk about this and pray about this uh, through the course of this calendar year and beyond. Um, so you'll now be able to see this logo and kind of recognize it when you see it and know its purpose. Um, but I'm so thankful for everybody taking time to be here tonight and taking time to be vulnerable about some things. Um, I don't know how Stephen didn't cry looking at those pictures of himself holding babies. Um, I almost I'm did. I'm emotionally dead. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a side effect of, of foster care. I'm just kidding. Uh, so here we have um, resources, and the team is even bigger than the folks you see on stage that are part of FAM. 
Um, but thank you, Mark and Sarah, specifically for being here. So, uh, Mark, if you would close this in prayer, and then we can spend some time continuing to fellowship and asking them questions as you need to. Yeah, let's pray. God, what a privilege it is to be able to come into your presence. Because of your son, Lord, we are welcomed guests. Thank you, God, that you chose us. You adopted us when we were ugly and sinful and not even worth loving, Lord, your grace, your love, your mercies extends beyond our comprehension. And so we thank you for how you show us what it means to bring things into our lives because you've brought us into your family. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you have shown us the way. You've been our example and you've done it in our own lives. So God, I pray that we would just find a way to serve in whatever capacity that is, whether it is to bring children into, into our homes or whether it's to support those who do. Whatever it is, God, you are calling us to do. God, I pray that you would equip us and that you would allow us just to see your smiling face as you bless these opportunities to be your hands and feet. Thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for this congregation, this church. Thank you for its mission, its heartbeat. And God, I just cannot wait to see the transformation that's going to take place here in this county. And God, we're going to be really, really careful to point right at you and say it was God who did it all. So thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Grace Matters. This panel conversation was a lot of fun to moderate. I was really grateful for the opportunity to learn more about foster care and adoption, and especially the ways that's going to unpack through FAM here at Grace Community Church. Again, if you have any questions, please email gracematters at graceccnc.org or check out our website, graceccnc.org, and find your answers there too. Until next time, this has been Grace Matters conversations establishing believers in the truth.